tell you, you all sounded so good this morning. So good. And it's so neat because the Bible says God inhabits. Inhabits. When you think of inhabiting something, what do you think of? Yeah, living, just being present, being, being aware and available. And, and it says God inhabits the praises of his people. So God's here. You know, not just because he inhabits the praises of his people, he's everywhere all the time. But you, as a child of God, if you put faith in Jesus Christ, you bring the presence of God wherever you go. And so when, when we look around and we see brothers and sisters in Christ and the presence of God is in them, imagine the power available. And with God, what's possible? So I, I want to start out this morning and tell you that, that God is here, God is ready, willing, and able to meet you right where you are and take you to another level. Whether it's spiritually, whether it's relationally, whether it's physically, there, there are people here that, that are in need of healing. God's a healer. He's here today. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. There are people in need of peace. Just, just that saturating peace that, that just gives us that security and serenity that only God can give in the midst of a storm. See, Jesus said, peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world. The world expects peace because everything is serene, everybody's behaving. How many of you know that never lasts? Right? <laughs> You can get people to behave for a little while, but eventually everybody breaks out to do what they want to do. And, and that peace kind of dissolves. But in the midst of all the chaos, all the things that are going on in the times that we live in, which are the last days, we can have this, this peace that passes all understanding, the peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds. I'm telling you, if you walk through this world around your neighbors, around your family, your coworkers, uh, people that you just meet, and, and you have the peace of God in you, it's going to be something they're going to notice. And they are going to want to have. That's part of our witness, to walk in a way that reveals the kingdom of God. Amen? And I want you to know, God's doing some amazing things. I, I was uh, out watching a baseball game this week, and it was freezing. I could not believe how cold it was, and I wasn't dressed right. But I was, I was looking at a young man. I'm not sure how old he is uh, exactly, but he's a young man, and he's growing up, and he's gaining on his dad's height. But he was holding a baseball glove. And I noticed on the baseball glove right here on the mitt, there was a cross. And I thought, that's kind of neat. I wonder if that's on purpose or if this was just kind of what they did to get this glove the way it needed to be. And all of a sudden, he saw me looking at his glove, and he said, I want to show you the inside. And he turned his glove to me, and on the little finger, it said, Philippians 4.13. On the palm was the whole scripture written out. I said, that is so cool. He said, yeah, we had it made special. I just want to be reminded every time that, that God's with me. I can do everything I need to do through Christ who strengthens me. And this is a young man. I'm telling you, God's doing great things. There was another person that told me recently that, that they were going through a difficult time. They lost a family member. And because of how 
they carried themselves, the faith they had, the confidence they had in God that a brother of theirs got saved. Now, I am telling you, God is doing amazing things, not just on the continent of Africa. He's doing them here in Rome, New York. And he wants to do more. God is not a God that just wants to do a couple and then quit and move on to another place. He wants to break out because we let him break into our lives. We let him have his way. Amen? God is so good. God is doing such great things. We are so blessed to be able to be alive at this time in these days. Uh, even though we see all the things going on in the world around us, we know that the Bible tells us not to scare us, but to prepare us. Uh, the information that's in the Bible tells us that, that the, the society that we live in is going to get more dark and more desperate, more unstable than ever before. And it shouldn't cause us a bit of fear because no matter what's going on in the world, the Bible says that, that this world is not your home as a believer. Heaven is your home. Your, your resource comes from heaven, not from earth. And the other thing that you need to remind yourself of is the Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Whatever you face, whatever just rises up without you having any idea it was coming guess what god knew and god is prepared to take it on but we have to turn and depend on him to take us through amen god is so so good how many of you remember that song amazing grace you know i was thinking about that this week and i'm not going to sing it for you and you can be very thankful for that you know, I sing up here, and thank God it doesn't throw the praise and worship team off. Because I, I, I am scriptural, I make a joyful noise to the Lord. He hasn't taken my voice away, so I'm going to keep using it and uh, praise him. But uh, this song, Amazing Grace, there is a portion in it that, you know, I've, I've sang it, I've known it since I was very young, but this just kept, kept popping out to me. There's a portion that says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to what? Fear. And then it says, "'And grace my fears relieved.'" That fear that grace teaches us is the fear of the Lord. And the fears that that grace relieves are the fears in the world. See, when we fear God, we don't have to fear anything else. And when, when we talk about fear, we're talking about recognizing who God is and, and having great reverence and honor, placing him as the greatest priority in our life, the greatest, the most valuable thing, and the one that who influences us more and before anyone or anything else. It's where we have this fervent, devoted love and worship of him, and then we're in awe of him. You know, one of the things that we as a nation uh, have lost is, is honor. There's not a lot of honor in our society. Honor, honor is something that shows value, and people don't value a whole lot of things. But the things that we do value, if you really look at it as 
how it compares to eternity are very low value. We spend a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of resources on low value living. And we need to make an adjustment because God wants us to live as if heaven is breaking, breaking through in our lives everywhere because people will take notice of that. We're continuing on in, in this series that uh, began before this year uh, with Ezekiel chapter 37 and Joel chapter 2, and we've come all the way to the place where we're looking at the fear of the Lord and how important that is, the, the reverential respect and honor, the priority of God in our life, because the Bible tells us in the New Testament, he's supposed to have the preeminence, the first place, the highest value, the, the most influence in every area and aspect of our life. Now, there's none of us that have arrived there. We're all in process working on that, and we'll always be working on it because we live in a world that's always pulling on us. There are all sorts of things that are pulling on us that, that tell us this is the most important thing. You need this in your life. You need this, you need this, you need this, you need this, because if you don't have this, your life isn't going to be what it could be. And you know what? There may be a little bit of truth in that, but the one thing that you and I need and every human being needs more than anything else is God, because without him, we really don't have life, the life that God intended. And today, we're going we're gonna to... Pick up what, where we left off because we were in First Peter chapter 2 and we were looking at some things. But I just want, want to remind us of, of where we came from. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 12, verse 13, this is the last, second to the last verse in the, the whole book. And Solomon writes the last and final word of this. And when he's talking about this is his search, his search that he began to try and find what was the most important thing that he could have in the world. Because Solomon at that time was known as the wisest man in the world and the most prosperous man. How many of you know prosperity doesn't make you happy? Some of you are like, I don't know that. I'd like to try. <laughs> but, but it doesn't because look at how many people have so much money and their lives are wrecks. Now, you can have a good life with money. Money isn't evil. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. And the reason why that is is because when we love something more than we love God, it becomes an idol. And an idol controls our life where God wants to liberate our life to make it full and free and abundant. And so we, we, we see in this that Solomon, who had done this vast search over many years, says this. This is the last and final words about the search for, for what's important. He said, fear God and do what he tells you. Now, there's nobody in here, not a one of us, that can't take that out of here and live our lives the way God, God wants us to. You know, it's not hard to remember this is it. This is the bottom line. This is the foundation. This is, this is the beginning of everything we need to do. We need to fear God and keep his word, what he tells us. The challenge comes, if we don't know God, we won't, we won't be in love with him. We won't worship him. We won't prioritize him. We won't value him. We won't let him influence us because we don't realize how amazing God is. 
and how good God is. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from your Father above who never changes. That's all he can give. He is looking. He is looking to give good to everyone, but especially to those that are of the household of faith. And the Bible tells us that the eyes of the Lord are searching throughout all the earth, looking for somebody's, someone whose heart is fully turned towards him so he can show himself strong on their behalf. He's looking for an avenue, for access, to be able to come and move in our lives and through our lives to impact the world that he so loved, that he gave his only son. And, and so this is the beginning point. And now we're going to go to 1 first, first Peter chapter 2. But before we do, if you just bow your heads, we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for being present. But Father, we don't just want to be around you. We need your impartation, your interaction. Father, today we thank you that your word says, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Father, I ask that you would use me, speak through me, uh, your word, direct me and empower me by your Spirit. That, Father, your will would be accomplished in our lives here, that we would be thoroughly prepared to be what you have for us to be and do what you have for us to do. And that, Father, we would come to, to know you so that we would love you and honor you and trust you and obey you more fully, more quickly, more continuously than ever before because your way is the way of life and so we thank you father for this in jesus name and everyone said amen, amen. so in first peter chapter 2 verse 17 15 and 17 because we we started in 15 and went through 17 but i kind of chopped some of it out because you know we just aren't going to go over all of it but it says here this is the will for this is the will of God. And then finally at the bottom of this, he says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Now we've looked at this and we, we realize that this isn't necessarily in order, but, but the first thing, the foundational thing is we're supposed to fear God. And we talked about the fear of God. We're not going to go over that today. Then we talked about the second most important thing is to love the brethren. When we fear God, we're going to love the brethren because when we fear God, when we honor God, when we esteem God, when we reverence God, when we, we make God our priority and the most valuable person and, and thing in our life, then we begin to recognize the value of God in all these people, our brothers and sisters. The fact that we're all made in his image. We, as, as the believers in Christ, we carry the presence of God. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, what you do to someone else, you do to him. We heard that this morning, didn't we? God was setting you up. And so we realize how we treat other people is how we're treating God. And so brothers and sisters, we, we, we need to treat them like we would treat Jesus. Now, I want to tell you that, and I know that every one of us knows this, but there's a whole lot of stuff that we would never do to Jesus that we're doing to each other. And it's not just in the presence of people. We, we post things. We send things that, that hurt the heart of God. 
I want to challenge you today to say, in all your electronic dealings, before you hit send, reread it as if you were writing it to Jesus. And if it doesn't sound like it would be good going to Jesus, don't send it to whoever you're sending it to. I knew that wasn't going to get a whole lot of support. But that's all right. That's all right. I'm not here for your support. I'm not. I love you so much. But I love God more than I love you. And I do fear God. I, I have a huge reverence for him. And I'm growing in, in my reverence, my, my fear of him. And I want to do what he wants me to do no matter whether anybody likes it, including me. You know, we don't always do the things we want to do because some of the things God wants us to do and has for us to do are going to be out of our comfort zone. They're going to be unfamiliar. They're not going to be what we would call easy. And that goes against the idol of convenience that we have in this country. We have elevated convenience and comfort to a level sometimes that's above God because we don't want to get out of our comfort zone. Uh, we want it to be convenient, and God, you'll have to wait. Can you imagine saying to God, hang on, I'm busy right now. I've got something very important to do. That's ridiculous. Because there's no one and nothing more important than God. We just get deceived. We get deceived by the, the surroundings, by the, the, the society we live in, because they have so many things that are so important. And God is not one of them. And we have to fight that. It's something that we have to fight every day. But in this, we fear God. That's the most important thing. We love the brethren. And when we do, when we love the brethren, all of a sudden unity begins to happen because we, because of how we esteem God and we esteem our brothers and sisters, it causes us to be drawn together. And that unity produces revivals. We went on from there and began to look at the fact that God says we're to honor all people. You know, if we would just do what the Bible tells us to do as Christians, we wouldn't have to worry about prejudice. Seriously, there's no way if we're going to honor all people the way God says for us to honor them, it doesn't mean we agree with what we, they do. It doesn't say honor what they do. It says honor all people. Because apart from how we tend to judge each other and, and view each other and even view ourselves, we view ourselves and we view others in light of and almost unable to disconnect who they are from what they do. And so we see people and they're doing something we don't agree with and we don't like. And so they lose value. And then we see people doing what we like and what we do, and we, they gain value. I'm going to tell you something. Nobody has value shift in God's eyes. There's no change of value for any human being. Every human being has the exact same value, saved and unsaved. Those that are sinning and those that are saints. What's that value? Jesus. Jesus. Whoa. Are you serious? God sees me as priceless and precious as his only begotten son? Absolutely. 
Well, how, how do you see that in the Bible? What did he give in exchange for you? I, I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about you. He gave Jesus for you. If, if only one person received salvation and, and the forgiveness of sin, Jesus still would have gone to the cross. He went to the cross for you. He died for you. But he also died for the person that's doing all this stuff that, that he hates. Because God hates sin. And why does God hate sin? Because of the, the result of sin, the wages, the payoff, the result of sin is death. And God doesn't want death in any human being's life. That's why Jesus came to bring abundant life. And he said, this is, this is my only begotten son. I am giving him in exchange for all of these, whosoever will. And when God put that value on humanity, who are we? Who are we to lift up the value of one and take down the value of another? Who are we? We set ourselves above God. Because the one who made all humanity, the one who said every child is a gift, says this is, this is the value. And when we begin to devalue or increase value of people, we begin to see ourselves as God, as if we know what's right. And we know a lot of things. But if what we know doesn't line up with what God says, we have to be humble enough and alert enough to understand we need to make a shift over to what God's word says. Because God's word and God's ways are the ways of truth and the ways of life. We're in a time right now where God, God is positioning and preparing the troops the body of Christ all over the world for the breakout of his glory, for the breakout of his power, for the breakout of revival. Because the Bible tells us in these days, the harvest is massive and he needs laborers. And we are the ones that choose whether we'll be prepared to be those laborers. So we honor all people. Now we get to the last one. Honor the who? The king. Well, thank God. Thank God it said king. We don't have one. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> you know, God's word was written many, 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 many years ago but it's still applicable today. It's still relevant today. And so this is talking about, who, who was the king back in the time this was written? I'm not talking about uh, physically who was he, but what was, what was his role? Yeah, leader. He, he was one that led a nation or, or a group, whatever, and, and he was the one in, in authority. And so this says, honor 
the king. Honor those that are in authority. And I will tell you, I even wrote it in my, my notes, there'll be a real pushback on that. And there is. Man, we live in America, one of the greatest nations on the face of the earth, if not the greatest. This is the land of the, and the home of the brave. But we major on the first part. Free, I'm free. Don't you never, don't you never tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. It starts as little kids. And it keeps going unless we grow into the things of God. Because God puts together a body. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I are part of the body of Christ. And the Bible says God places the members in the body as it pleases him. Guess what? That's not happening. Because we tend to place ourselves where we want to be. And I want you to understand, if it's all about you, then don't call Jesus Lord. There's only room for one Lord, one master, one that's in charge. And the moment Jesus isn't Lord of our life, there's trouble coming. Because the moment we, we take off and decide we've got a better idea, we've got a better way, I like this better, I think this is right, we begin to migrate off the path that God has. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the moment we get off the path that God has for us, we begin to move into the realm of darkness and sin. Deception. And where there's deception, there's loss. And yet we blame it on God. And he didn't have anything to do with it. We departed from him, just like Adam and Eve departed from God. Went another direction, and it cost them everything. God, God in his goodness has redeemed and is looking to redeem, rescue from loss. I read something by Andy Stanley, and he, he makes this point, that most individuals chafe under authority. Somewhere along the way in our culture, we've learned to quickly evaluate what we're expected to do. And then we decide whether or not we want to do it. Whether it's with parents or a boss, or a teacher, or a coach, or government, or even God. He goes on to say, if I disagree with the what, then I can disregard what I'm being told to do. That, that's pretty appropriate for the society we live in right now. If I disagree, I disregard I disagree with this one, I disagree with that one, I disagree with that one. I don't have to listen to you. You're not valuable. You're not important. You don't think the way I think, so you're thinking wrong. How many of you know none of us think the right thing all the time? Can, can we be honest right now and, and be completely transparent and be vulnerable and say, I, you know what, I've gotten it wrong once. And that was just because I thought I got it wrong. <laughs> no, we get it wrong. But guess who never gets it wrong? God. God never, never, never gets it wrong. 
So he goes on to say, if I disagree with the what, then I disregard what I'm being told to do. And then he continues to write and he says, and I don't feel guilty. I don't go to bed at night and confess it as sin because I have evaluated it and decided it is just a stupid rule. You know what? I do this. When I read this, I laughed. And then I started to cry before God. And I said, God, I am so sorry. Because I do this very thing. And it's humorous. But if you will be willing to hear truth and help, have God help you see your life, you'll see this is, this is what we do. I don't agree with the speed limit on Black River Boulevard. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Yeah, I know a lot of people don't. And I've found that some people don't even more than I do as they pass me. But there is a sign up there. The sign has a posted speed limit. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and on that sign, it tells me what's the right thing to do. And I make a choice because I think it's a stupid sign. <laughs> it's a four-lane road. It ought to be at least 50, if not 70. <laughs> no, I'm kidding with you. But I was talking, I was talking to somebody this week that, uh, that was not thinking, and we all do this, not thinking and driving down a road, and a state trooper pulled out behind this person. And... I just, I just want you to know I wasn't going to out you in front of everybody. <laughs> I was trying my best to shield my wife, but I needed the story. <laughs> and so she wasn't thinking, and she's flying down Elmer Hill Road because... She had some place to go, and it was important. And so where she was going and why she was going there, in her mind, was more important than what the speed limit said. It's true. It's true about what we do. We justify and rationalize why we break laws, break rules. And, and so she was, she was going down pretty quickly. And I don't know how long it took the state trooper to catch up with her, but he did. <laughs> Can I go to lunch with somebody today? <laughs> I do love you, honey. And, and amazingly enough, the state trooper pulled her over, and she came out to Deb's car. She, 
and said, do you know how fast you were going? And I don't know if you told her. Yeah, she was honest. I knew I was speeding. Didn't mean to. But I am going to be, I thought I was going to be late for a meeting at church. <laughs> Let's play the church card and see if that works. And, and so the female state trooper looked at my wife and said, well, just keep it down. This is just a warning. Yeah, that's not going to happen to me. They're going to be like, we're taking your car. You look like a maniac. What's in the trunk? But when you break the law, you're guilty. We can try and rationalize and justify, but I'm telling you, the wages of sin is death. And it may not happen right away. It catches up with us if we keep breaking rules, breaking laws. They're there. They're there. Do you know why we have governments? Not to just keep people employed. <clears throat> we have governments to stop chaos. To stop anarchy. And although you and I, all of us, don't like some things, we need to be very thankful for the country we live in. Well, I don't know if I can thank God for the country I live in because I don't see it happening the way I want it to. Who made you king? Seriously. We all have the opportunity to vote. Yeah, and I voted and my candidate didn't win. So who's above the candidates? Any above, anybody above the president? You know, no matter who gets elected, God's still on the throne. And if you get all torqued out about who got elected and who didn't get elected, and how much of that gives glory to God? How much of that shows we trust God above all? You know, we're, we're, we're going to have another election. You may not have known that, but we're going to have another election. And there are going to be some people in here that are going to vote Republican. There are going to be some people in here that are going to vote Democrat. And it doesn't matter who you vote for. You have to do it with a clear conscience that you're doing what you're doing, not based on anything, but what does God have for you to do? You and I need to know the candidates, their platforms, what they stand for, what they believe in, and what they've done, enough to know whether they're the closer one to following what God's standards are or they're way apart. Because we're here. We are here as the salt of the earth. We are here as the light of the world. We are here to exercise every opportunity we have to bring scriptural, God-honoring values into our lives, into any place we have any influence. And we do our best 
to vote the way God would have us vote. Because if you're voting just on a party line, I'm voting Republican, I'm voting Democrat, because that's what I've always voted. So, so realize what's happening. The thing that you are elevating up above everything else is a political party. I just want to break some news to you. There's never been a political party that has caused God's revival to happen. There's never been a politician that has, got, has caused God's revivals to happen. So quit looking at those things. Look at God. Be available to God that he can use people that nobody's ever heard of because when he does, God gets the glory. And you may say, well, I don't know if I should have come today. Didn't want to hear this. You know what? If you didn't want to hear it, it's probably the best thing you could hear. And I'm not saying that pridefully. I'm saying that because... If we don't learn something that we don't already know, then we're going to stay the same. And God doesn't have for us to stay the same. He has for us to grow. Amen? When, when, we, when we look at things and we don't like what is being told to us, we need to look beyond the what to the who. Well, I do. I don't like who's telling me. You know, rarely do we like anybody telling us what to do. When was the last time you remember somebody came to you and said, this is what you need to do? And you were like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Thank you. I was waiting for that. It's just, it's, our, our human nature is to resist. To just kind of bristle up when anybody tells us anything. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be constantly led by God. Led by the Spirit, the one telling us what we need to do, when we need to do it, how we need to do it. That was what Jesus did. He didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will of his Father. And he did everything his Father told him and what he saw his Father do. Everything that pleased the Father. Now, if that's, that's what the Lord did, he's our example. We're supposed to be followers of Jesus. We need to emulate him. And you, I, I know, I know, I know, I can hear it because it resonates in me too. Well, you know, none of, these, none of these people in authority are perfect. That is absolutely true. And God chose to work through imperfect people. Yeah, but they always don't do what God wants. That's true too. But that's not your job and my job. We need to go over their heads and go to God. Because the truth is, God's in control. Oh, I know, I know. Some of you are like, oh, I don't know. Look what's going on. God, God is either in control or there's no control. And I, I, I would beg to differ. If God was not in control, you would see just carnage everywhere. Because when you see places where people choose not to, and people can reject God, but they can't reject God forever. God's going to have his way. And we have to trust God in the midst of him having his way. 
You know, we, we live in a time where everybody's doing what they think is right. And it's exactly like what it says in the book of Judges. In the last chapter of the book of Judges, and this isn't going to be up on your screens, in the last verse, it says this, in those days there was no king in Israel. There was no authority in Israel. And this is what it broke down to. It says, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Talk about chaos and anarchy. I'm the boss of me, and I'm going to be the boss of you. I'm going to do what I want to do, and you better line up with me, or I have no use for you. This is exactly what's going on in our society now. Our society is broken down to the place, even in Christians' lives, where we don't value the people that God values. Because we don't value what their choices are. You know, we, we as Christians, we've been known to just reject the LGBTQT plus whatever. I don't know it all. But I'm telling you, these are confused people. How do I know that? Because I read my Bible. The Bible says in the beginning, God made man and woman. No matter what happens, what change goes on, and people can make any changes they want to. But when you go back to the DNA, you're going to see that there are only two types of DNA. And no matter what change was or modifications were made, there's still just two. Now, does that mean that these people don't have any worth? No, they have infinite worth and value. There are areas in their lives, just like areas in your life and my life, that we don't know what we're doing. And Jesus hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. If he can be in that kind of pain and torture and having gone through what he went through prior to that, he was betrayed, he was abandoned, and yet he can still say, Father, forgive all of them because they don't know what they're doing. Man, you don't have to come out to somebody and say, hey, you know what? I forgive you for what you're doing because you're doing stupid stuff. Because that's a stupid thing to say. Because that comes from pride. I know what I'm doing and I know what you're doing is wrong. No, 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 no. We need to look at every human being with value. But we also have to recognize that human beings sit in offices of authority. And no matter what, what office it is. There, is. there is honor that needs to be given to that office. And this, this honoring the king, honoring authority, began breaking down in the family. When you look in the garden at Adam and Eve, the moment that sin happened, Adam turned on Eve. Eve turned on the snake. Adam turned on God. There was a disregard and, and a lowering of value of everyone. 
just trying to throw everybody else under the bus to save oneself. Even to the point where God was not honored. God was accused by Adam. Adam had so much deception in his life. He said, God, it's this woman you gave me. Man, he alienated himself from everybody in the world. Literally. He was now putting everybody against him. And that's what we do. That's when we, what we do when we don't honor God and honor people and love the brethren and, and honor the authorities in our lives. How many of you have ever read the Screw Tape Letters? By C.S. Lewis. It, it's something you might want to look at. It, it's, it's a book that's made up of imaginary uh, letters that an older demon named Screwtape writes to a young understudy Wormwood. And as a way to train him to knock Christians off track. Uh, someone posted a paragraph that does not actually come from the book but was written as if it did. Here it is. My dear Wormwood, be sure that the patient, the Christian, remains completely fixated on politics. Arguments, political gossip, and obsessing on the faults of people they have never met. This serves as an excellent distraction from advancing in their personal virtue, character, and the things that the Christian can control. Make sure to keep the Christian in a constant state of angst, frustration, and general disdain towards the rest of the human race in order to avoid any kind of love or inner peace from further developing. Ensure that the Christian continues to be the believe the problem is out there in the broken system rather than recognizing there is a problem within itself. Keep up the good work, Uncle Screwtape. You know, when you read that, that's, that's so applicable right now. We have so much infighting among Christians, even in churches, because we don't recognize who our enemy is. There's not another brother or sister that's ever your enemy. You have an enemy. It's the, he's the devil. And I want you to know, the ones that are doing the devil's bidding are not your enemy. Oh, please hear me. Because we tend to connect inseparably people with their action. But there are going to be people that are taking actions here that are not what God wants, but they are saved and they're going to be in heaven and their actions are going to change. But they're a Christian. The Bible talks about carnal Christians, fleshy Christians, Christians that are ruled by their appetites, by their attitudes, by all sorts of things other than God. But they have genuinely put their faith in Christ. You may say, well, how can we really know they're saved? You don't have to. It's not up to you. It's up to God. But I'm going to tell you, next week we're going to see something that is going to challenge all of us when we look at other people and where they are and what's going on. 
because of what happened on the cross. But in this, we need, to, we need to recognize there's authority. We need to honor authority, even though the world we live in doesn't. So in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13 through 16, it says this. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Not hate people, not hate evil people, hate evil. Hate the evil, not the people. Hate pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth. I hate and it's not just out there. Church, we've got to start looking in here. What's going on in our lives? Do we have perverse mouths? Are we arrogant? Are, are we prideful? You know, there's stuff going on in every one of our lives that we need and we have the, the God-given right and authority to work on those areas. We don't have the right and authority to work on everybody else. But it's easier for us to look at somebody else's problem and say, you need to fix that. But remember this. When you and I start noticing situations in other people's lives, and all of a sudden we see this one's a gossip and that 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 one's a gossip. The Bible tells us and warns us, before you try and take the splinter out of your brother's eye, remove the beam the log from your own eye. We see things in other people that usually are in some degree at work in our own lives. So if you start to notice, you know, this person and this person and this person, that's an indication. Don't go over and tell them how they ought to change. Go to prayer. Go to God and say, God, what's going on in my life? Help me change. And then as we go through the process of that change, that transformation, we'll realize it's not so easy and fun and, and have these pat answers for everybody else around us. We'll have more compassion when we go to a brother or sister then and say, hey, you know, I think something's working in your life that, that needs to be gone. And I want to be a part of helping support you as, as you go through this. It's very different than being judgmental and critical, and fault-finding. goes on to say, counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding, I have strength. By me, kings reign, and rulers de decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, all the judges of the earth. So who's in control of all authority? Now that's what the Word of God says. And we can look at it and we can say, hey, you know what? I don't think he is because look who got in. Look what this one's doing. You either believe it or you reject it. And I will tell you something. This is not about what you and I understand. It's not about what we perceive. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with our whole heart, lean not to our own understanding. In always acknowledging, acknowledge him and he'll direct your steps. Man, there are things that go on I do not understand, I do not like. I have a hard time saying, how God can this possibly be? But remember, the Bible tells us that God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Daniel 2, verse 21, the first portion of it says, 
and he changes the times and the seasons. How many of you know that? How many of you have talked to him about how long winter is up here? And I, I've, I've talked to him, I've talked to him, I've told him how it would be much better if, you know, when it's spring, it would get warm. But you know what? He hasn't listened to me yet. Because he's going to do what he's going to do because what he does is best. We don't always think it is. We don't always understand it. But he changes the times and the seasons and he removes kings and raises up kings. He removes authority and he raises up authority. I'm just telling you the word of God. My role here is to help us all focus on truth, on God, making a, a realignment to what the Word of God says. Because if we're off alignment, just like your, your car tires being out of alignment, it wears them out. You're going to wear yourself out. I'm going to wear myself out when I'm out of alignment with God. Then in Daniel chapter 4, verse 32, this is, this is about King Nebuchadnezzar. See, Daniel... Daniel had been ripped out of his homeland and his family and placed in the Babylonian society. And, and he was under their, their complete control. All right? So, so it wasn't like things were good. Things were really challenging. And, and so King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the head of the Babylonian empire at that point, uh, he, he, had, he was bragging about uh, the great Babylon uh, that he had built and, and how uh, he had built a royal dwelling for his mighty power and for the honor of his majesty. And God, God heard it and said to him, you're deceived, you don't, you don't know. And this is a paraphrase, obviously. You don't know what you're talking about. And then he says... You will be driven out of, human out of the human company and live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox. The sentence for this is seven seasons or seven years. Enough time that, to learn that the high God rules human kingdoms and puts whoever he wishes in charge. This is, this is not the Sunday paper that we're reading. This is the word of God. This is the truth. You and I need to embrace the truth, even though we don't understand it, even though we don't like it sometimes. It is the best for us. His words are the words of life. Then in Romans chapter 13, in the New Testament too, it says, let every soul, that leaves out who? No one. This applies to every one of us. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Didn't say the good governing authorities. It said the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. You can't get around that. I don't understand it. I don't like it, God. He didn't say when you understand and when you like it. He said this is the way it works. I wish I could give you answers for this. I have none. All I know is that this is what God's word says. All I know is I need to do what God's word says. I need to walk in a way 
that I affirm and uphold God's word. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. I don't want any of us to bring judgment on ourselves. And we live in a society that if you told this to somebody that doesn't, doesn't even have to be somebody unsaved. It can be somebody who's saved that doesn't have the fear of God. Doesn't honor God above other things. Because this is easy to reject. This is easy to say, that's stupid. I don't like that. I don't agree with that. So what would your Bible look like? What would my Bible look like? What would our Bibles look like if we had physical Bibles and we cut out all the stuff we didn't agree with? It would then really be holy, huh? (laughs) Tough to read, but... Yeah, yeah. Let every soul be subject. And then we're going to circle back to 1 Peter chapter 2, but we're going to begin, instead of verse 15, we're going to begin in verse 13. And this is what it says that precedes, this is the will of God in verse 15. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether as whether to the king as supreme or to governors or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. But as a bondservant of God, honor all people, love the brethren, fear God, honor the king. And again, we we struggle. I struggle. God, there are things that that I'm being told to do. I have to to obey everything that I'm told to do. And I'm going to tell you, no. But it is not a free-for-all where we just pick and choose to do what we want to do. We have a standard, a standard that's if God is above this authority and he places authorities in authority, the moment that authority moves out from under what God says to do, they no longer have the delegated authority. But no matter what, they are still an authority naturally and we should show honor to them and honorably disagree. And we're going to see this. We're going to see where, where in Scripture people, people honored the authority even though they were, they were harsh. Because in these two places, in Peter and in First in Peter and in Romans, do you know that these were written by men, Peter and, and Paul, during a time that Caesar Nero was in charge. They were under a police state, a rule of the Roman Empire. And what was happening just after this book of Peter was written, months after this, all of a sudden Nero decided that that he was going to do some rearranging. And so he set Rome on fire. It started in the slums. 
And he began to burn Rome. And he blamed the Christians. And the persecutions of Christians just skyrocketed. They rebuilt part of Rome. And, and one of the big coliseums that they built, that's where they fed the Christians to the lions. There was another thing going on simultaneously that Nero decided he wanted his gardens lit up at night so he could walk through the gardens. And what he did was he took Christians, he dipped them in oil, tied them to a stake, and burned them alive to give light for his gardens to walk through. This is who these people are writing about. So if you think we have it tough, we have rulers that are so difficult and so, so bad, give me a break. Now, it may come to the fact that we as Christians are persecuted more, but the Bible says it's going to happen. Not to scare us, to prepare us. That's why we need to have this built into us that we are going to fear God above everyone else. When we honor God, nothing else matters. And this is going on in other countries. We have had it so easy. We as Americans are so soft. And I know that doesn't ingratiate me to you. But I'm an American too. And when I go out of this country and I see people and what they go through for their faith, and, and they have a joy and they have a peace that is unlike much of anything I've ever seen in this country, it's because they place God above all the things that they go through. And I don't know what's going to happen in America, but I do know one thing. Whatever happens in America or Africa or Russia or any place else, Jesus is still Lord. He still has a kingdom that will last beyond any other kingdom. Amen. I just want you to bow your heads. You know, this isn't, this isn't a pleasing to the flesh message today, but it is a very powerful and necessary message because there are adjustments we need to make. There are things that we truly, truly need to, to do. And if you remember last week, we talked at the very end about Jonah and how he proclaimed that he was, he feared God, and yet he did not. He disobeyed God. He ran from God. He didn't want to do God's will. And when he finally did God's will, he got upset over the result because he didn't want the people to be saved that God loved. You know, it's so important that we recognize God loves everyone. God values everyone. And we are, we are the representation of God in the earth. And we need to love them on God's behalf. But we have to love God. When we love God, when we honor God, when we esteem God, when we revere God and, and trust God and obey God, then these other things are going to be part of that. And yes, 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 we live in a fallen world. And yes, 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 we struggle with people of integrity and, and, and godly standards uh, truly being an authority. But even if they aren't, we know God's place in there for whatever reason God has. 
And we need to see when, when, God, when do I, when do I submit? And when do I, with honor to the position, choose not to obey? But it's not my choice, it's yours. You show me the way. It's, it's, to navigate this, we need God. We need his word because without it, we're going to do exactly what it says in, in the book of Judges. Everybody did what was right in their own sight because there was no authority. The only authority they had was theirs. And that brought chaos. Chaos. Father, we need, we need you. We need you to have your way. We need to welcome you like never before as almighty God. Lord, that you are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the king of the universe. You are able to keep everything that exists. The solar system we live, we live in. The planet we live on, all these things are kept in order by you. If you can keep all that in order, God, we've got to trust you can keep the things that need to be kept in the order that is going to cause what you have ordained to happen to happen. Father, everything that we see these days is shaking. is becoming more unstable, but not you. Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so help us, help us to depend on you and trust in you, leaning into you when things start to shake, knowing that you'll never change and you have the best for each one of us. Father, help us. Help us not to rely on ourselves. Help us not to want our own way. Please, Lord, help us to really make your lordship real. Not just verbiage, but where you really are master of our lives. We turn over control to you, trusting you completely. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you've You've been struggling. You've been struggling and struggling and struggling with a lot of things. And maybe, maybe it's because you're trying to run your life. You're trying to take care of everything in your life, and it's just wearing you out. And it's causing you to lose hope. I want you to know God is the God of all hope. The Bible tells us that. And he wants to fill you with joy and peace in believing that you would abound to even more hope by his Holy Spirit. But the only way that happens is if we give him our lives, then and only then can he begin to work in the way he's always desired to, to take our lives from what they've been to a glorious, victorious life.
not without challenges, not without opposition, not without obstacles and problems, but knowing in the midst of everything we face, we don't face them alone anymore. It's not on us, it's on Him. And if you have never turned to Christ and trusted in Him, I, I invite you to pray with us today. We're going to pray a prayer, and it's a beginning. It's not an end. It's a beginning of you allowing God to guide you and to govern you and to guard you like never before because you'll never do life alone again. But if that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hand and say, that's me, that's me. I, I want, I need help. I need God's help in my life. I don't want to do it alone. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love in sending Jesus to this earth who lived a sinless life and died on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I come to you today in need of a Savior. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. From this day forward, I am yours. You are mine. Thank you for saving me. Guide me. Guard me. Govern me. And grow me to be fully what you have for me to be. So I can do what you have for me to do. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer here, see somebody, see myself, see Pastor Jeremy, see one of the ushers, see my wife. <laughs> um, but, but